Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. We've been focusing a lot on the upcoming November ballot issue, the right to reproductive freedom, which would enshrine a right to abortion for virtually any reason up until birth in Ohio. But today, I want to remind listeners that the Catholic Church does and always has cared for not only the unborn, but mothers, families in need, and others who are poor and vulnerable. Now, since the Ohio state budget was just approved this week, it seemed like a good time to highlight what the Ohio Catholic Conference has worked on to get into that budget so our listeners could know and educate others on some of the things we are about, in addition to the topic of abortion. Today's guest is Will Keenley, Associate Director for the Ohio Catholic Conference. Will, welcome to the show. Hi, Bob. Yes, thanks for having me on Being Pro-Life. I'm an avid listener. Well, we've had a few episodes in a row featuring others from the Ohio Catholic Conference, so I don't think we need to get too much into what the Catholic Conference does, but what's your role at the conference, Will? I am the Associate Director for Social Concerns. So you've talked about the conference before. We advocate in the legislature on behalf of the bishops and on behalf of the church, and I advocate on all of those issues that relate to social life and, as we've been calling it recently, integral human development, family issues, life issues, economic justice, a whole slew of things. All right. Well, thanks. Well, like I mentioned in the intro, particularly right now, some people are criticizing us saying, all you talk about is abortion. All you ever focus on is abortion. So I want to start by saying, first of all, here at the Respect Life office at the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, we do work with pregnancy care centers, uh, help them who help mothers in need. We also run a ministry for post-abortive women for healing for them. We educate and advocate against capital punishment, assisted suicide. We help those who are deaf or have a disability by trying to ensure more equal access, resourcing parishes who are preparing children for the sacraments who might have a disability that doesn't allow them to join with the rest of their classmates. We do some education and resourcing and other issues like trafficking and domestic violence and bereavement. And that's just to respect life office. There's a social action office that works on issues like immigration and hunger and homelessness and poverty and racism. The list is, it probably seems endless, but we're called not only to serve those in need, but to be involved in the political process as well to help create a more just society. So let's start there, right? So sometimes we hear, sometimes I hear criticism. You need to stay out of politics. Now that people mean different things when they say that phrase, you need to stay out of politics. But Will, what would be your response to we need to stay out of politics? Yeah, that's a really important question. I think for Catholics in the United States, it's been a live question for some decades. As Catholics came to the United States, especially in the 19th century, the role that we played in American life and what we could do in a democracy was contested both by Catholics and non-Catholics. So I'm glad that we're talking about it. And I think the best way to start talking about it is to return to the point you made about how many different things the Respect Life Office and the Social Action Office and the Archdiocese and across the state that the Catholic Church is involved in. Our social teaching, what people call Catholic social teaching, the body of our doctrines that tell us what we owe to one another, what we owe to society, Catholic social teaching is quite clear that Catholics should be involved in politics. I think what people are getting at when they say, well, we shouldn't be so involved in politics, they might be saying something very helpful, which is that Catholics should, especially the church, needs to be beyond partisanship. The Catholic Church is not another player in the political game along with political parties. It's not so simple as to say the Catholic Church is, you know, we are with the Democratic Party or we're with the Republican Party, that we'd be involved in partisanship. But certainly we are called to be political. One of the central commands of Christ's teaching is to love our neighbor as ourself. And certainly one of the easiest ways to do this is to be involved in our political life, where we interact with our neighbors, where we 
create policies that care for and treat all of our neighbors with respect and with dignity. So that's what I would say when someone says, maybe Catholics shouldn't be involved in politics. I would want to say, I agree, we shouldn't be partisan. But in order to love our neighbor as ourselves, in order to be a faithful citizen, we need to be involved in not only our sort of annual you know, uh, obligation to vote, but even the kind of political action that's less attractive, knowing what's happening in the legislature, being involved in advocacy yourself with your representative, with your senator, with your governor, with your legislators at every level of government. And the last thing I would say is I think that call to faithful citizenship is just also a call to be obedient to Christ's teaching that we need to give to God what is God's, but we also need to give to, to Caesar what is Caesar's. And we owe something to our state and to our neighbor. We owe our faithful citizenship. So that's a perfect segue to talking about the Ohio budget. So the state budget just came out, uh, approved by the governor. How many million? What was the budget? Yeah, that's a key question. Uh, the budget is almost $200 billion. I think it's about $190 billion spread over two fiscal years. So the budget was signed on Monday, starting this July through July through the end of June 2025. The budget will distribute about $200 billion over those two years to all sorts of needs in Ohio. Okay, so it's almost a $200 billion budget we're talking about. Okay, so what are some of the things that are in this budget that you'd like to highlight to let the listeners know that these are some of the things that the Ohio Catholic Conference were advocating for to hope to get into this budget? That's great. I'll start with something that I, as the Social Concerns Associate Director, was not so personally involved with, but I think your listeners would find interesting and certainly is historic in its scope. This budget is the largest expansion of school choice in the history of the state of Ohio. So the Ed Choice Scholarships, which have existed for some number of years and have allowed a number of students to choose the kind of education that best fits them and their family, that scholarship will now be available to all Ohioans, uh, anyone under 450% of the federal poverty line. So any family of four making about 130 some thousand dollars any family up to that 450% of the federal poverty line will receive the full amount of an Ed Choice Scholarship. We're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars that families could use to attend a Catholic school of their choice if that's what their family needs. That expansion of Ed Choice is certainly one of the most remarkable features of this budget and one that the Catholic Conference has been advocating for for years and years and years. And that good work has, has borne fruit in this budget. Okay. So if you make up to 450%, of federal poverty level, which is around, you said, 130000 for a family of four, someone close That's right. to that range. That's right. Then the full amount is a little more than 8000 for high school. That's right. A little more Correct. than 6000 for elementary. That's starting in fall of 2023? That's right. So there's going to be guidance coming out from our Catholic schools and from other entities on how to receive that Ed Choice Scholarship for the 2023-2024 school year. And then if you make more than that, it goes down a little bit. The Ed Choice Scholarship that you see on this graph here is, is the widest expansion of school choice in Ohio's history. It will allow families who have been struggling to send their child to a Catholic school to do so much more easily. And it will allow more families who would have otherwise perhaps wanted a Catholic education or another kind of education for their child to make that choice. All right. Well, I do have a couple of questions about that before we move on. So some people have asked the question to me about if, if there are a lot of people that weren't normally going to Catholic schools that start going to Catholic schools, the percentage of Catholics at schools will be going down. And that might affect the Catholic identity of the school, right? Or the or even the religious education at the school. Do you have any thoughts about those concerns that some Catholic school students have? Yeah, that's a good concern. It's it's a helpful question. You know, what does it mean for a Catholic school to be Catholic if fewer of our students identify as Catholic? And again, though I'm not the associate director for education at the conference, I'll say a few words about our obligations as the church and even in our schools. 
we have an obligation to serve even students who aren't Catholic at Catholic schools. There's a, a famous sort of saying that people give about Catholic schools that we don't teach students because they're Catholic. We teach students because we are Catholic. And I think that the aphorism there helps us to remember that Catholic schools, maybe like our Catholic hospitals or other public institutions, are ministerial entities where we do apostolic work. We teach students who are Catholic and non-Catholic about the world and also about how the gospel illuminates that world. So I would just say that around the globe, in developing countries, uh, even in the early history of Catholic schools, there are large numbers of non-Catholic students who attend these schools. Many of them go on to live fulfilling lives that better represent the teachings of Christ because of that Catholic education. But I also can tell you from personal experience, I was a Catholic school teacher for a number of years. We also have students who arrive at the beginning of their Catholic education, non-practicing Catholics. And by the end of the time they're in their Catholic school, I've seen a number of students convert to Catholicism because of their communion in the Catholic school, because of the friendships and the relationships they developed with their teachers. So in response to a very legitimate concern, I would say, let's remember that our Catholic schools are also a kind of ministry. And that by bringing in students who aren't Catholic, we're not, not doing anything other than we, what we do when we try to bring non-Catholics to Mass. Uh, we want all people to know the, to the gospel and to have this experience of love that we offer in a Catholic school. Thanks. Well, I, I can appreciate that answer. There might be some other similar but different concern, right, that as soon as more state money starts going to Catholic schools, that maybe the state is going to start being able to tell schools, oh, well, you can't teach that. Right, or you have to start teaching this, right? Things that we don't necessarily agree with, or we might become, we have to to change based on the fact that we're receiving state money. What do you think about that? This is another very good concern. We want to protect the integrity of our Catholic schools. So let me say that on the one hand, in Ohio, there have already been Ed Choice scholarships that have empowered students to go to Catholic schools. There are, have been in the past, before this budget a number of programs that empowered families to make the decision to send their child to a Catholic school. There was also the John Peterson scholarship. So we've already had some amount of state money that's helped families make this decision. And we have not, as a result, suffered a, a loss of integrity or autonomy in our Catholic schools. As a matter of fact, one of the tasks of the Catholic Conference of Ohio is that we oversee the accreditation of our Catholic schools. So we play that role already. And I would also remind our, your listeners that at the university level, at the post-secondary level, for decades, there has been a long precedent of federal money in the form of Pell Grants and other kinds of grants that have supported Catholic education. So there's already been a, a relationship between these two entities without a loss of Catholic identity. And we're very optimistic that we can continue that cooperation and partnership between Catholic schools and the legislature as we have. Thanks, Will. Hopefully that does help some of the concerns that some people have about that and recognize that this should be seen as a really good thing. But there are a lot of other things in this budget, in addition, of course, to school choice. So what are some of the other things you want to highlight that we were really pushing for in this budget? Yes. So I, I talked about school choice first because that is such a sort of monumental change in this budget. But we should get into some of the ways that the Catholic Conference was advocating for the state policy, the state budget to support vulnerable families and pregnant women, young families. So one thing that was in this budget was a continued funding for a program that the Catholic Conference very much supports, a program called Healthy Beginnings at Home. Healthy Beginnings at Home is was piloted just a few years ago, and this program identifies pregnant women who are at risk of losing their housing and comes alongside these women, stabilizes their housing, offers wraparound supports both during and after her pregnancy. And the results of the Healthy Beginnings at Home program have just been fantastic. 
So as I said, this was a sort of pilot program that had a research element to it. And so for several years now, the Healthy Beginnings at Home program has proven that if you come along and support pregnant women who are in a vulnerable way, the health of their children will be markedly improved over if that woman had had to sort of sort things out on her own and risk possible homelessness. So I would encourage your listeners to look into the results of the Healthy Beginnings at Home program. The findings about that program are available online and the program justifies itself multiple times over. So we were glad to see that that program would continue to be funded. It's going to receive about two and a half million dollars for fiscal year 2024. There are a number of other programs as well that the Catholic Conference was advocating for or other policy changes. For example, in this state budget, the sales tax on baby products has been eliminated. And this was something that we were advocating for in standalone bills and thrilled to see in the, in the budget. So diapers, strollers, cribs, well, there will no longer be sales tax on these kinds of baby products, which is an excellent, clear way for the state to show support for vulnerable families, families and undertaking the important work of raising a child. So we were thrilled by this as well. So do you know how unique is Ohio in that one? That's a good question, Bob. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I know that some other states have started doing this. It's become a bit of a a pattern, I think, perhaps especially after Dobbs, as one way for states to easily come alongside pregnant women and families who are raising young children. But I, I couldn't tell you how many. Hopefully, one day we can have this conversation. And I'll tell you 50 out of 50. But for now, I'm not totally sure yet. Right. It sounds okay. So it sounds like we're not the first, but we might be one of a, not that many of the 50. Pro- we're, we're, yes. We're part of a salutary trend across the states. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. So uh, what else? Another change, which has been, I think, a huge victory for the pro-life cause is the expansion of eligibility for Ohio Works First cash assistance. So there's a program operated by the state of Ohio called Ohio Works First. And this program offers direct cash assistance to a number of low-income vulnerable groups. And until this budget in the past, that cash assistance could be given to a pregnant woman once she reached six months in her pregnancy. So a low-income woman who was pregnant Once she was six months pregnant, she could qualify and start receiving direct cash aid from this Ohio Works First cash program. And the Catholic Conference advocated very strongly that if we believe that life begins at conception, which of course we do, then that cash assistance should begin as soon as a woman finds out she's pregnant and comes and uh, seeks out that aid. So starting in this budget, the Ohio Works First cash assistance program will be eligible to any woman at any stage of her pregnancy. And we see this as a huge victory for the integrity of the pro-life cause in a state like Ohio, where we really say in our policies that we believe that life starts at conception. I didn't know about that one. That's a new one. A final thing about the budget that I want to point out that relates to the dignity of especially early life, the budget also reorganizes the laws around newborn safety incubators. So some of your listeners may be familiar with these kinds of incubators that maybe a fire department might have so that a, a very young child could be placed here and the community can come and around and, and support this young child now if for some reason a family isn't able to do that. So we're glad to see that those laws will make it easier and clearer how to go about creating those kinds of newborn safety incubators. Well, thanks. Well, I'm sure there's probably other things as well related to that, but let's talk about some, maybe some broader issues as well that the Catholic Conference was supporting that isn't even directly related to moms and young children. Great. Yeah. Let me start by talking about a a really sort of in the weeds kind of legislation that the Catholic Conference was involved in. The Catholic Conference, as we advocate for the needs of all vulnerable Ohioans, is also aware of the needs of our seniors and elder Ohioans. 
And the Catholic Church across the state has a number of affiliates and partners and even operates low-income senior housing facilities. And in the last General Assembly, so in the 134th General Assembly, a policy change allowed county auditors across the state of Ohio to tax those low-income senior housing facilities at a much, much higher level at their market value. This was gravely concerning to a number of our partners that we spoke to who worried that at that market value taxation, some of these facilities might have to go into foreclosure one day. Many of these facilities are already operating with such a close attention to the needs of their residents. Some of these residents make somewhere between $13,000 per year. So these facilities don't exactly have the means to raise rent, to raise their revenue and pay a much higher tax rate. So through our advocacy, we made sure that in this budget, the laws around county taxation of these kinds of low-income senior housing facilities would be reformed. So a new tax valuation formula, which came about as a compromise between the Ohio Housing Council and the County Auditor Association, is now what's in the Ohio Revised Code. So now there's this new tax valuation formula, which will keep those low-income senior housing facilities solvent for many, many years. They can continue to do the good work they do for the low-income seniors and uh, elder Ohioans that live there. So we were very thrilled to see that change as well. Great. Other things that are in the budget that might be particularly interesting. Oh, yeah, I'll point out one, maybe one final thing, because I know that this is work that you do in your office, Bob. There is an initiative that the budget funded up to $2 million called the Technology First Initiative, which funds programs that look into delivering technologies and leveraging technology to come along, especially Ohioans with disabilities, using technology to assist their needs. So that's a really wonderful program that I would encourage you to look into. It's going to be funded at $2 million. Do you know more about what kinds of, is this all kinds of, this sight devices, hearing devices, is this, what else are we talking about, do you know? Yeah, I think it's a very broad program that I think looks into any kind of technology, whether it's for mobility or these other needs that would help a, a Ohioan with a disability. All right, great. Well, that, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look into that as well. Yeah. So thanks, Will. So besides the budget, what is the conference advocating for among legislation that uh, the House and the Senate are working on that we're trying to get passed? Yeah, this is a a good question. We will take a few weeks off, probably that active advocacy over the uh, month of July and into August. The legislature goes on a bit of a break for the summer. But just before that break, in addition to our work on the budget, we were advocating on a number of other bills that we'll pick up again when we return in the fall. Uh, One bill that we just came out with that I, I think your listeners will find very interesting was House Bill 5. And House Bill 5 reorganized the adoption process. Uh, It reformed some of the procedures involved in adoption in Ohio and makes it easier for a family, whether they're adopting domestically or internationally, to do that and to support the birth mother who perhaps these Ohioans have partnered with along the way. So one thing that this reform does is it raises the disbursement ceiling of funds that can be given to a birth mother to help her in the final months of her pregnancy in terms of her housing or medical needs. So it raises that ceiling to about $6,000. It was $3,000. So uh, this mother can now be supported with a $6,000 disbursement. And it it reorganizes a number of issues related to the sort of legal process of bringing about a a child into your home through adoption. So we were glad to come out for that bill. It it has passed the House unanimously, and we'll be going into the Senate as we, as I said, when we return in the fall. So we'll continue to follow that bill into the Senate. There's another bill also related to supporting families that treats that Healthy Beginnings at Home program that I spoke about earlier. There's a separate bill that also is in the House called House Bill 7. And House Bill 7 is known as the Strong Foundations Act. House Bill 7 includes a large number of provisions that would support young children and families, especially those most in need. It would give $15 million to the Healthy Beginnings at Home program, which I spoke about a little bit earlier. So $15 million 
into a program that's coming alongside pregnant women who are at risk of losing their housing. The Strong Foundations Act would also ensure continuous enrollment in Medicaid for children under three who are in a perhaps low-income family. So the child doesn't need to be re-enrolled every year and possibly lose coverage for between their birth and, and three years old. So the Strong Foundations Act is full of a, a number of really laudable provisions that we were happy to support in the House, and we'll continue to follow it, hopefully, into the Senate in the fall. And then another kind of bill that really also kind of gets into the weeds, we just came out for a bill called House Bill 199. In Ohio, a number of married couples actually pay more in personal income tax because they're married. Uh, It has to do with the way the Ohio progressive tax bracket works. It's some complicated tax information here. But what I'll say is that House Bill 199 would make sure that any married couple wouldn't pay more in personal income tax than they would if they were filing as two single people. And of course, as the Catholic Conference supports marriage, it's the most fundamental society. We don't want to penalize marriage in our tax code. So we're very hopeful that House Bill 199 will show that the state of Ohio also values marriage, at the very least by removing the tax penalty that currently exists for a number of couples. So those are some issues related to family life, but we've got other bills too that we're working on. I know one of them, of course, is capital punishment. You want to say a little bit about that one? Yes. So this bill is in the Senate currently. That's the Senate Bill 101. And I would encourage your listeners to look this bill up and to write to your legislators about supporting this bill, which would abolish the death penalty in Ohio. So I'm, I know on your podcast in the past, Bob, you've talked about capital punishment and the church's teaching on how even here for the incarcerated person, the dignity of life obtains. And not only the dignity of life, but also over time, the Catholic Church has been one of the voices which has said we should be gravely concerned about some of the moral errors that are often involved in the execution of capital punishment. Between the fallibility of the process whereby we find someone perhaps guilty of a crime and then would possibly punish them with execution, to the tremendous financial costs at both local and state level. There are any number of reasons to decry the use of the death penalty. But of course, to the Catholic Church, one of the most central is that we see here a human life, and it is not up to us to remove a human life. So we are advocating very strongly in the Senate currently, and of course, also in the House, when a bill is introduced there or when the bill moves there, to see uh, Senate Bill 101 and to see the abolition of the death penalty as an issue that's as close to the heart of the Catholic Church and as close to the heart of the pro-life cause as abolishing abortion. So we're very hopeful for that bill, Senate Bill 101, that's going to come back in the fall. And you'll see the Catholic Conference coming out to give testimony in support of that as soon as we can. All right. Well, Will, if listeners want to know more about what it is that the Catholic Conference is advocating for in the legislative level, we can find that on your website, right? Yes. So if you go to our website, ohiocathconf.org. All right. So here are the pages right here. And where do we go from there? Well, if you scroll down the homepage, you'll always just see our latest news. So you'll see as you go down this first page, the bills we've been most recently working on. So you see our statement there about the budget, House Bill 33, our statement about House Bill 199 I was describing, and the SAFE Act as well, which we came out in support of to protect young people and the integrity of their bodies. We have another statement on the passage of the budget from the Senate. So as you scroll down the homepage, you'll see a kind of constant update of what the Catholic Conference is doing, including our job posting. If you're interested in advocacy on education, I've been talking about education a little bit, please feel free to reach out to the Catholic Conference. So that's one easy way to see what we've been working on. But at the top of that homepage as well, you'll see that we've got a number of tags where you can look at our current legislation, our action alerts. If you want to see who your legislators are, you can contact them using that third tab. So we have a lot of resources on our website that I hope your listeners will find useful. Okay. So you can click on Courage Legislation, for example, and see what some of the current legislation is that people are working on. If you want to sign up to be notified when there's opportunities to contact your legislatures, for example, if you go to the homepage, I think, and you scroll down to the bottom, join our mailing list. Is that right, Will? 
That's right. Yep. You still sign you up for our, our action center. You'll get our newsletter, which comes out often telling you about the legislation we're working on. And also you'll get our action alerts through that newsletter too, where you can contact your legislator directly and send a little message saying, hey, I live in your district. I feel very strongly about this issue that the Catholic Conference is advocating on. So I hope that your listeners will go to our website, ohiocatconference.org, scroll to the bottom, and then click join our mailing list. All right. Anything else that I didn't give you a chance to talk about that you wanted to pass along? Maybe an upcoming bill that's not on the website yet that uh, you're hopeful for in the fall, perhaps? Yeah, let me give one last update just to show the kind of diversity of issues that the Catholic Conference is working on. In my first answer to your first question, Bob, I talked about the breadth of Catholic social teaching and the various manifold issues that the Catholic Church teaches that we can and should be involved in. And we've talked a lot about issues of family dignity and preserving the dignity of life. These are very important, but there's a bill that would just pass the House. This was House Bill 106. In Ohio, we are one of about nine states currently where an employer doesn't have to give their employee a pay stub. And as a result, there are about 200,000 people in Ohio who functionally don't earn minimum wage because by the time their wage gets to them, there have been so many deductions or other possible issues that they're unaware of that their paycheck doesn't reflect what our federal government even calls a minimum wage. So by getting a pay stub, at the very least, someone can know where is it that I'm getting deducted and maybe I can raise a concern about that if I want to. So in Ohio, we want to make sure that our laborers, our workers have dignity as well. This too is part of the Catholic social tradition that workers have an innate dignity and that they should be respected and honored in the work that they do and protected as workers. So we were glad to come out for House Bill 106, which as I said, has passed the House and we'll follow that into the Senate. So we are hard at work in the legislature here working on economic justice, the, the justice that are uh, that's owed to the pre-born, and even the justice that we owe to our environment. I'll just, one last thing, we came along with a bill, uh, House Bill 79, which would encourage energy efficiency. So we are here to show solidarity and defend the common good in every domain, and we're hard at work doing that. Well, thanks, Will. Thanks for talking with us today about what the Catholic Conference advocates for, right? Showing that we care not only about the unborn, but moms, families, and all those vulnerable in order to promote the common good. Thanks for spending time with us today, Will. Thank you so much, Bob. And please, if you're interested, check out our website, ohiocatconf.org. I'd be happy to communicate with any of your listeners. Send me an email. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash beingprolife. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.